We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app these are amazing days to be living through the resolution is adopted without objection the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table and as the gavel has fallen president trump becomes the only American president to be impeached twice. As we inch closer to the transfer of power in America, as sacred a tradition as you can find in our country. The notion of seeing armed military members having to protect it to ensure that, frankly, I think is sad. I think it's sad that we have, we've gotten to this place, but I do think it's necessary. America is in crisis. People have died as a result of political partisanship fueled by fake narratives that threaten the workings of our democracy. This week on 880 In-Depth, the national security implications of extremism and the impact here at home. We are preparing and throwing every bit of resource that we have at this problem and, and making sure that we can protect and defend our capital and the sites around the state. I'm Tim Scheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and in a few minutes we'll be hearing from the head of Homeland Security and Preparedness from the state of New Jersey, ex-CIA officer Jared Maples. He spent a career briefing government officials all over the world on things like protecting against armed insurgents, but he never once thought he'd have to brief a governor in the United States on the same topic. But first, Fran Townsend is the senior national security analyst for CBS News. She was a former Homeland Security advisor to President George W. Bush after 9-11. Before that, she served over a dozen years in the U.S. Justice Department, including some time spent right here at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan working for Rudolph Giuliani. She spoke to our Peter Haskell. The attack on the Capitol was a week ago. What have we learned since then? So I, I think what we have learned based on sort of the facts that investigators have uncovered so far is that this was likely a well-organized and well-planned event. It sort of appeared that way from just the images. But when you find two different packages of pipe bombs, one near the RNC and one near the DNC, you understand implicitly that there had to be component parts gathered. It had to be someone with knowledge um, that there was, there'll be a signature to that bomb. There'll be fingerprints and DNA. They had to plant it, travel with it, plant it there. Um, and so it suggests sort of a wider, better organized event. 
The other really troubling thing I think we've learned in the Capitol Police have undertaken an investigation, as has Congress, is that there were individuals in the Capitol Police who either participated or aided those who were involved in the insurrection um, to have been charged. Uh, there's been a number, almost a dozen, have been suspended as part of this investigation. Um, and so I think those are the key facts that we've learned um, and there's more, right, that we'll have to uncover to understand really what's going on. When you talk about the planning and the organization, what does that tell us about the risk going forward? So I think people now will take quite seriously the threat, both against the inauguration and the call for protests in all 50 state capitals. Um, we've seen the FBI put out a bulletin warning about this threat. I I know that the FBI, through their Joint Terrorism Task Forces and DHS, through their local representatives, are working with state and local authorities um, to be sure that they're prepared and have whatever intelligence the federal government has. Extremism isn't new. We've had these voices screaming on social media in various places for years. What What do you think it was that unleashed this mob? So, look, I think that the president bears direct responsibility here. You know, you often hear the phrase, a dog whistle. While the president was on Twitter calling for his supporters to come to Washington uh, for a rally that he would participate in, um, he incited them when they were there. He told them to walk up to the to go to the Capitol. Um, and so, look, I think that the president has to bear some responsibility here. Twitter and Facebook have shut down the president and some of these right-wing groups. What does that mean? Does that, does that hinder intelligence efforts by driving these folks underground? We shouldn't underestimate the intelligence and law enforcement community. Um, while it takes it, it makes it more difficult for them to communicate to mass audiences publicly, um, they will use other platforms, but both the FBI and the intelligence community have tools and techniques that they can do. Although you and I can't follow them, we shouldn't presume that law enforcement can't see them. Looking back, should we be surprised at what happened last week? You know, I, I'm torn in terms of my answer. It, you know, the sort of um, experienced law enforcement person says, Perhaps not, right? We saw we saw the building of this uh, crescendo, if you will, of public anger and angst and political division. Um, you know, the 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 personal side of me says it's just sort of heartbreaking to me that we could get to a point where we could break, civil society could break down to that point. Um, I, I would have liked to have thought that that wasn't possible. I think it's a real indication, however that we need as a as a country to begin to listen to one another, even those, you know, it's the old story. Even if I disagree with you, I need to listen to you. You need to feel like you've been heard. And I need to understand well enough to be able to address your, your anger, your, um, you know, discomfort, if you will, with the way things are going. Um, and until we learn to do that, this kind of division is going to continue or get worse. Townsend is a New Yorker. She grew up on Long Island. 
She saw New York attacked 20 years ago and then spent years in the Bush White House working to protect America against future attacks. We asked her about the coming inauguration. What would she do if she were at the table planning security? So they've already begun to shut down uh, several of the national monuments. I would restrict all access to the National Mall. Um, I think, you know, we're used to using perimeter security in a normal inaugural event. Given COVID, this was never going to be a normal event. Um, But I think now you're going to use a perimeter around the area of the inauguration to ensure you keep people out. Not that you're screening people, but that you're not letting anyone near it. That said, you're going to have to work with state and local authorities because what you do when you create a hard perimeter so they can't get anywhere near sort of the the president-elect and the vice president and dignitaries, you push them to soft, potentially to soft targets. And so I don't think you can just dismiss that if you protect the core of the inauguration, um, that these individuals won't look for other targets, just like they did in placing pipe bombs at the RN, near the RNC and the DNC. And so I think this is a very complicated, multi-layered security requirement here. Um, and I don't think it's going to be limited to Washington. We're seeing images this morning of uh, National Guard troops, a lot of them in D.C., what is what does that do? What is the benefit of that? And is there any kind of downside? So, look, I think that there isn't really a downside. Regrettably, um, the mayor didn't want this uh, last week. Um, she want, she was asking for several hundred and not in uniform and not armed. And we see how that turned out. Um, they're now going to provide 10,000 National Guard troops. They will be in uniform. They will be armed. Um, and it's it creates, as I said earlier, a hard target, right? It cre- it's very difficult. The protesters, insurrectionists, will not be able to breach the way they did the last time. And it will create a real intimidation factor uh, for them to think twice before trying to do that. The downside, again, is a democratic society, we've never worried and never really felt threatened about the peaceful transfer of democratic power. We, we make sure it's secure. We treat it as a national security special event, and it gets the highest scrutiny in terms of attention to security. But we've never questioned whether or not we'd be able to have the peaceful transfer of power. This, when, the notion of seeing armed military members having to protect it to ensure that, frankly, I think is sad. I think it's sad that we have, we've gotten to this place, but I do think it's necessary, and I think the images that we will see coming off this, um, we ought to find heartbreaking and disturbing. We had the Homeland Security Secretary, Chad Wolf. He just resigned, but he follows the Attorney General, William Barr, and the Defense Secretary, Mark Esper. This kind of vacuum of leadership there. How much of an issue is that? So, in the lead up to inauguration, in an inauguration, many cabinet secretaries will often resign um, and leave in their wake career folks who are acting um, or political folks who will leave on inauguration day once the inauguration is complete. There's something different about the Homeland Security Secretary. The Homeland Security Secretary supervises the U.S. Secret Service. The Secret Service is the lead agency in protecting the inauguration and the president. Um, and so, so for example, when 
President Bush turned over to President Obama, Secretary of Homeland Security Mike Chertoff was at his desk through the inauguration to ensure that if something happened, because we knew there were threats against against President Obama, that there would be a cabinet-level official who was responsible and prepared to respond to that. Um, the notion of Chad Wolf resigning nine or ten days before the inauguration I find to be both disgraceful and irresponsible. Whatever his personal reasons were, um, this is a moment where you put personal preferences and personal desires aside. You're in public service. You put country first. And so I, I think it was quite cowardly of him to resign when he did. What happens at the top of that uh, organizational chart in that group when the person at the top in a crisis situation walks away? How does that impact what happens below? Well, I, I frankly, I think you, you have to find that sort of demoralizing if you're a line career person who continues to bear the responsibility and doesn't have the luxury of sort of shirking your responsibility and walking away. Having said that, the U.S. Secret Service is an extraordinary agency. They've done this every time, and they've done it magnificently well. They know how to do it. And of all the agencies inside the Department of Homeland Security, they operate quite independently because they have their own relationship with their protectees, like the president of the United States. And so they have a proud history. They have a long record of having done this perfectly well. And so I have real confidence in the U.S. Secret Service to do this and, and coordinate the interagency uh, despite Secretary Wolf's leaving. One of the striking things last week was law enforcement being overwhelmed by these insurrectionists. How much of a concern is that going forward? Well, I, you know, overwhelming law enforcement really is a question that's dependent on which agency are we talking about. And so were the Capitol Police overwhelmed? Yes, they were. Do I worry about the National Guard being overwhelmed? No, I don't. Um, and so I, I do think that's the answer to that question is dependent on the when and the where and the who of law enforcement. But I do think what we've seen is the FBI has created a task force to address this specific problem. You know, they did that when at the height of the terrorism concern. They did it at the height of organized crime in the 80s. And so I think that ought to tell people that the federal government is going to dedicate the resources necessary to address this problem and defeat this threat. Um, I know we're running short of time. I want to ask you this. There is a, a Grand Canyon-sized gulf between partisans now. How do we find some semblance of common ground? How do we move forward from this? You know, it's interesting because I would with all the sort of partisan bickering that we've seen coming out of Congress, um, just in the last few days, in the wake of last week at Capitol Hill, um, I think more Republicans have come to see the gravity of what happened and the implications of it. Um, I think you're going to see in this impeachment vote the crossing of party lines. And it may be a way of then moving forward with the new president. Um, you know, terrorists never, I used to say post 9-11, Al-Qaeda didn't care if you were a Republican or a Democrat. They cared that you were an American. And I think, frankly, in the wake of this, we need to get back to that mindset. Um, this is an, the attack was not on the Democrats 
It was not, this was an attack on democracy. This was an attack on the democratic process that the United States has been a beacon for around the world. And so if we see it that way, and we understand that this is an attack on our system of government, then there's not anything to really disagree about. We all ought to want to protect the democratic process um, that we rely on. And so I'm hoping that this allows the new president a turning point to try and pull people back together to be willing to compromise. Last question. Should President Trump be removed? And if he is, what does that do to or for the country? So, look, I I think other countries, it's a real, I worry about our adversaries. I worry about our enemies seeing the U.S. government in such a state of disarray. Um, But I do have, as I've said, I have confidence in the United States military. I have confidence in the career um, civil servants who are work hard every day despite all the partisan bickering. Um, and so I think that our adversaries and our enemies, foreign countries who are watching what's going on, should not underestimate the strength of the career civil service, no matter what happens. On a personal level, do I think the president is responsible, bears responsibility for the insurrection? I do. Um, and do I think he ought to be held accountable for that? I do. Um, I leave to others in Congress whether or not that includes his, whether that's impeachment or removal. Um, but I do think he has incited this violence, and we cannot permit that to happen again or to continue. And even more disturbing than last week's riot at the Capitol, the FBI sent out a bullet in the local law enforcement this past weekend stating, quote, armed protests are being planned at all 50 state capitals from the 16th of January through the 20th. We got on the phone with Jared Maples. He's the director of the Office of Homeland Security and Preparedness for the state of New Jersey. Maples is a seasoned intelligence officer who spent over a decade at the CIA. He spoke to our Peter Haskell about what he can tell us about those threats. So I'll start out and say certainly we've seen seen warnings and there's been plenty of chatter online about those those activities or potential activities. We don't have a specific or credible threat right now in Trenton at our state house, um, but we are preparing uh, for the worst. We are preparing for any manner of violence and making sure that we have all of our I's uh, dotted and T's crossed regarding our our planning, our preparations and our coordination with both the FBI, state police, and actually all the, the FBI, state police, and across our um, uh, lo- state and local uh, law enforcement community. What is your sense of the extremist threat in New Jersey generally? Yeah, so we actually released uh, several threat assessments over this past year, which is, is unprecedented for us. We did we normally do an annual threat assessment, which we released in February of, this, of last year, uh, 2020, that actually labeled white supremacists as a top-level terror threat and anarchists and anti-government extremists as a middle-level threat. Um, I would suspect they'll be elevated in the upcoming threat assessment. Um, then we also took the, the unusual step, quite frankly, of releasing a supplemental threat assessment because we saw this incredible swirl of extremism that was started really using misinformation and disinformation related to the COVID crisis and the ongoing pandemic, um, but it very quickly morphed and moved into some of the civil unrest that you saw in the summer, a lot of the unrest you saw this summer, 
and then into the election season and the outcome of the election. So it created uh, almost a perfect storm for extremists to use to recruit, to gain ground, to try to spin their, their hateful narrative um, and try to foment and cause chaos and, and discontent within the government system or towards the government. Um, and so we released a supplemental threat assessment in September of this year. And it, it obviously, uh, uh, unfortunately, several things that we, we forecast in that turned out to be true. Uh, but again, that's what we've always done our planning on. So we do have an extremist element in New Jersey. It is a concern of ours. It's certainly something that we felt the need to elevate publicly. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. I think one of our greatest weapons is calling this out, making people aware, aware of what extremists are saying, um, how they're saying it, uh, and really calling out that it's here and, and what people can do, which is, is report. Let us know that something seems off. If somebody's planning an act of violence or says something, does something that just seems off, let us know about it and we'll handle it in a way that's respectful of everyone's rights, uh, but gets to the bottom and hopefully heads off potential violence. How much of this is people screaming into the void and finding folks with common cause? And how much of this is really a very kind of organized operation? So I think there's quite a bit of both, quite frankly. Um, One of the things I didn't mention uh, in my earlier comments is the foreign influence. So I'll start with that. Um, Make no mistake about this. Our foreign adversaries um, several have been named by the federal authorities, obviously the Russia's, China's, Iran's. Uh, they have official open source narratives that talk about, the again, some of this chaos that's happening right now, the COVID crisis, all these things to try to take care, uh, take official statements on that and cause, yeah, and foment chaos and, and concern about those in, in our communities. Um, but then also uh, an underlying narrative, social media, some of the bots, bot farms you see, um, there, there is irrefutable evidence that they've tried to, to inject themselves. So that's a challenge for us. But then also uh, there is, you know, there is some organization regarding extremism in in America. There's a a dedicated anti-government and anarchist, uh, several groups that are out there. Uh, The white supremacy movement is certainly on board with an overthrow of governmental institutions or a a change, if you will. Um, They advocate those. And some of those groups can be pretty organized. We have the the NJ European and Heritage Association here in New Jersey, amongst others. Uh, Patriot Front. There's several groups. Um, we saw Sons of Liberty, New Jersey was uh, it was down there at the Capitol last Wednesday, for example. And there's more, but those groups are are clearly trying to cause that in a, an online uh, forums and, and recruitment flyering. We have a lot of flyering incidents around the the state of New Jersey. Uh, recruitment, you know, flyers literally on on bulletin boards and tack boards and light poles and stickers and those types of things. And so, so we have it here. Um, there is definitely some organization behind these groups and certainly concern. And then the final point that you made, and I think is a good one, is there is a, an aspect of, of yelling down into the void, this kind of common cause, almost enemy of my enemy is my friend type approach. And you see that really throughout all the unrest that I talked about starting in the spring um, and in through now, uh, you, you see this, this kind of, again, this willingness to jump on board uh, uh, an anti-government approach or a chaos driving approach and what the outcome is still kind of TBD because it, it doesn't have as much organization on that part of it but certainly something that we're concerned with and, again, want to counter that narrative. So, again, why we're appreciative to talk to you. It seems some of these groups have circled Sunday the 17th on their calendars. Others are looking at the 20th Inauguration Day. What does the state do to protect the state house? Do you have a, a do you block State Street? Do you have any kind of show of force? What do you do? So, 
you know, I, I, I'll say this. I don't want to get too far into the pipeline of every every precaution and measure we're taking, but I will say uh, we are we are definitely increasing our resources statewide uh, and making sure that uh, personnel are an uptick. We're, we're showing a more increased posture. Um, you know, our, our partners, the state police, have been uh, not just outstanding partners. They've been just really lockstep with us throughout this entire year and and, and before, but. Uh, especially now that the relationship has never been tighter. Same with the FBI. So we are linked in with intelligence sharing, making sure we're all in the loop at the same time. Uh, and then, and then also the, from a tactical perspective, making sure that we're uh, all coordinating our resources. Everybody knows what's available. Um, our plans are integrated and making sure that we know uh, what the others are all doing. And, and we do that in conjunction and coordination. Um, and, and that includes everything from right. Incre- increasing our presence physically uh, and, and a show of force. Uh, again, intelligence sharing, and then a lot of other measures that we take on a daily basis, and I would say ramped up from that daily basis, really making sure that there's certain barriers and, and, you know, whether they be street closings or other things, we're going to take a lot of measures over the next uh, couple of weeks to make sure we're safe. One of the things the NYPD has done for a while is really have a show for at, at landmarks, at transit yeah. hubs, at things like that. Is that something you're going to try to do as a as a, as a deterrent? So we yeah so we have a similar program actually um, we, we have a, our critical infrastructure uh, infrastructure protection has a very similar program um, to that NYPD program in a show of force with uh, you know with the, the tactical gear and, and, and going around to various critical infrastructure spots throughout the state on normal days we do that um, certainly I would anticipate again a, a more of a show of force. Again, without getting too far into the specifics, I think you'll see a show of force at various strategic locations and spots, um, and, and we are definitely out there. The next question I want to ask you probably would have seemed ridiculous a week ago, but when you watch the <laughs> attack on the U.S. Capitol and you think about protecting the state, do you have a concern about being outmanned? So it's, it's interesting you say that. I've, I've said this in a couple of other interviews. In my background, I spent uh, a lot of time at the, in the federal government, and I spent a lot of time overseas on behalf of the federal government. What I, what I did for a living is protective operations. I happened to be in countries that, that, that overthrows happened or a lot of chaos and violence, uh, denied areas, hostile you know, war zones, hostile areas. And I never thought I would – I've given plenty of updates to, to principals and senior leaders and, and decision makers. Um, about what was happening on the ground somewhere. I didn't re- anticipate having that conversation with the governor of New Jersey when I took this job four years ago. Um, uh, but yet here I am. And, and you know, to, to, to your point, I think a week ago that might have been kind of a crazy question, but here we are. So the answer on our side is um, we've obviously been in contact directly with the, with our federal partners throughout. Um, we are every day anyway. We, we've really ramped that up over the last week. Um, given the, the threats that we just talked about and the concerns that are out there. And um, we are we are preparing and throwing every bit of resource that we have at this problem and, and making sure that we can protect and defend our capital and the sites around the state. Uh, last question for you. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. How do we move forward as a country, as a state? How do we respect and protect and try to move forward as one country yeah so that's a, a fantastic question um i be, i believe deeply in the american experiment i, I really do I've, i swore an oath to this country and this constitution 
when I was 21 years old. Uh, I've never looked back from that. I will continue in that oath. And I'll tell you this, I think a huge step was taking that vote that night. Um, it was a proud moment as an American to, to watch. And I watched till 3.30 when they, when they closed up shop that night um, to watch them make that vote to come back. Uh, I always talk about 9-11 in, 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 the, in the aspect of, I think one of the greatest things that we were able to do is take a brief pause to honor our, our dead and our fallen, but then just kick into high gear and go, go, you know, watch George Bush throw that, that, that uh, ball out of Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think the same thing here. Number one is our democracy bent, no doubt. They, they, they got into the Capitol. They overran the Capitol for a brief moment of time, but it, it didn't break. Uh, it went back in place. And so in the end, our institutions are our institutions. Our constitution is the constitution. And I think we as a country have to remember that first and foremost, no matter what your political affiliations are, and we strive very deeply to be apolitical in my role and at our agency. That's what our job is, to be apolitical. We secure everyone and everything. Um, and, and including rights, but we have to remember that we're Americans first and foremost, and that constitution above all else is institutions of, of what we are as a people. And I think we have that in us. I know we have that in us. I think brighter days are ahead, but we have to get a dialogue started with each other to remind each other of that fact. It's Americans that we are together and united. And uh, I think there's an opportunity to do that. I think national leadership on, on across the board, across the spectrum, uh, needs to adhere to those, those type of messages. And, and certainly something we'll be saying here in New Jersey, because there is a time to, to bring us together after this. But we have to take advantage of that now and, and really move forward as a country together. Director, if I can ask you one more question. You talk about your background. You're a former sure. CIA guy. When you look at what happened at the Capitol, yeah. was that an intelligence failure or an operational failure or both? So I want to be, I, I, as you can probably understand, I want to be careful uh, Speaking on it now, it's obviously under active investigation. The, the FBI is leading the way on, on the investigation and, and doing, uh, for my optics, certainly a great job as they as they do. Um, I, I think there's, I think in the aftermath of this, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of points made that that could have done better. Um, I think there's no question on that. Whether it be in the operational, the tactical realm of the response, and then also from a strategic and intelligence perspective. Um, I think that there, I, I don't, I don't know to comment specifically on some of the actual direct, you know, specific breakdowns, but I think there will be some breakdowns in both areas uh, that we'll find and, and, and we'll fix. Uh, certainly we'll, we'll support that in any way we can from New Jersey. And I think the, the federal government will fix those. Um, it clearly wasn't a successful day uh, from that side. So there's going to be some, some gaps and some fixes. And, um, and we, we are dedicated here in New Jersey to make sure we're, we're focused on helping fix those and, and doing our part. Our thanks to New Jersey Homeland Security Head Jared Maples and CBS News National Security Analyst Fran Townsend. In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Look for us wherever you get your podcast. Just search for 880 In-Depth. And as always, and certainly most appropriately, be safe. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 